Well, hello and welcome to your weekly roundup about the world of electric cars from the team at electrifying.com. I've got Tom. And we're actually together. together. No, next not, to not me. Just in a virtual world. <laughs> Nicola's in a hotel down the road, but that's another story <laughs> for another time. What are we talking about, Tom? <laughs> uh, we're talking about the return of Lancia. Uh, Nicola's been somewhere very cold to test electric cars. What else have we got? Uh, we've got the return of the uh, of the the estate oh, as yes. well. Oh, wow. um, and of course, we'll be answering your car buying conundrums and dipping into the post bag for your views on everything electric. You do like telling us off, and we take that. You know, we, we do take that. Um, welcome to the Kilowatt Half Hour. I am Ginny. I am Tom. I am Nicola. So. What a busy week it has been in the world of electric cars, but I can't really talk to you about any of them from my perspective because no, they're all under embargo. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, because yeah. you literally you went you went away, but everything that you've posted on your social media has been I'm away doing something, but I can't tell you about it. Oh, I'm just in this place, but I can't tell you about it. <laughs> honestly, I spent three days in Portugal, um, seeing something secret and driving. Um, I can say what I was driving. I was driving the new uh, BMW iX2 and the new electric mini countryman. They are under embargo. Yes. Uh, so I can't say anything else more than that. Um, and then I flew to somewhere in France on Wednesday night to see something else. Which is very exciting, but we can't tell you about. Literally can't tell you about. She told me, but it's, it's exciting. It's really exciting, honestly. I think there are some very high excitement levels at Electrifying mm. HQ, aren't there, about this mm. one? But it, it all will be revealed soon. And then um, we're back at the HQ today because we're filming a triple test, aren't we, Nick? Yeah, what we've got. We've got today. We've got the VW ID Seven. We've got the BYD Seal and the Polestar Two. Mm. Yes. Go on. Well, I was just going to say, any guesses for the winners, put it in the comments. Oh, what a good idea, yeah. I've I've got a slight idea, but until I see all three cars together, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, we have. I think we all in our minds have one that we think will win. But like Tom said, you know, it's it's early morning on Friday morning now. It's also chucking it down out there. So apologies if the video doesn't look great. Um, anyway, that'll be coming out in a couple of weeks, I think. Depends on how quickly we can get Manos to edit it. To dry it out. <laughs> right, so what else has been happening? What can we talk about this week? Tom, what's caught uh, your eye? Well, there's a, a new Lancia, or Lancia, as I think it's called in Italy. And uh, oh. it's the Ypsilon, which is a massive seller at the moment in Italy and in Europe. Uh, because they like a posh small car, which I quite like as well. You know, something like a posh small car. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be electric, so it's going to be based on the same platform as the Peugeot E208 and the uh, Vauxhall Corsa. Great. But really nice and posh. It looks great. Okay. When's, but will it come here? When are we? Oh, so there's no news yet. With well, no, because we, we haven't had a Lancia no, since oh, 1994 or something. I'm trying to remember the last one. So I don't think I was, uh, well, I don't know, I definitely wasn't working in the industry in 1994. Uh, I, was, I think a reputation. Were you, were you born in 1994, Nicola? I was, I was six. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, a, a reputation for rust killed Lancia, didn't it, in the UK? Yeah, so I, I, are we ready for Lancia again? I mean, I would. It's, uh, uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Um, yeah. I think Manus is going to put some, uh, drop a photograph. Are you looking at pictures of the Lancia on your phone now? So professional. I have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like a bit of breath. I thought she was like playing Wordle or something. <laughs> I thought we just like, she'd, she'd, we'd lost her already. We'd lost her to social. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair, even like that sort of vibe in the 90s is very kind of, very sort of retro BMW. 
Yeah, well, the, the new one has uh, the rear lights are from the Strata yeah. and things. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, Delta Integrale. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That's, that's a yeah. proper one. Yeah. Um, but I mean, there were big saloons and boring things that were posh inside, but would just rust before you got to the first service. So okay. rather killed the brand. But well, maybe it's time yeah. again. Maybe it's time again. Do let us know in the comments below whether you think we need to start a campaign to. We did um, bring the spring, didn't we? Bring the spring, yeah. We did bring yeah. the spring. Do we want to have a campaign to bring Lancia to the UK? We'll have to think of a, a sexy hashtag if we do. So let us know in the comments below. Drop us an email. As always, if you are not watching on YouTube and you're listening through one of your podcast streamings. Oh, Nicola's got a hand up. Yes, Nick. I was going to say, if you can come up with a sexy hashtag, that would yeah, be yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. You want to yeah. Suggestions in the comment box. Yeah. Please, please do. Um, so can, I've got a story for mm -hmm. this week. Um, I um, I love estates. Mm. I really love an estate car. I'd a long boy. This is what, sorry? A long boy. A long, a long boy. Oh, then we were getting that one back again. <laughs> estate, or as Nicola Hume calls them, the long boy. Mm. I think it was, mm. met, yeah, you know, some people got that, some people didn't. Um so BMW are finally getting an electric touring to market. It is, of course, the BMW i5 Touring, uh, which we have seen this week. What yeah, you... I love that car. I love that car, but you have to be very rich. Yeah, well. It's very yeah. expensive. It yeah. really is. Isn't it more efficient than the saloon? I think it's a bit more aerodynamic or something. I think, it's one yeah. of those weird things. Yeah, I think so. It's, um, so it's got, let's just go through some of the stats. It's got an 81 kilowatt hour battery, two versions, an E-Drive 40 with 348 miles of range. What? Really? What When that's fully loaded? Mm. I mean, mm. if it can get 348 miles of range on a good, uh, 300, yeah, 48 miles of range, that's... That's pretty good. But I think we've had quite a few doubting comments on our socials over mm. on X about that. Um, and then there will be, of course, there will be an, uh, a 393 brake horsepower M60 with 314 miles. Do we need that car? Yes, <laughs> we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes. We love, we love a long boy just as much as you do. And um I think I think they're absolutely beautiful cars, and I think they will sell like hotcakes. I really yeah. do. I'll tell you what, though, the, the Audi A6, yes, Avant, the, the new one, which I've driven the the Q6, which has all the same bits underneath, and it was great. And I think that that's going to be a real competitor oh, yes. for this. I think yeah. I'd rather have the Audi. I mean, we've yeah. only seen the concept, but. Just to look at, yeah. the Audi's a prettier car. It is. And, and for many, many years, the Audi RS6 was the car mm. that I was just desperate to own. Mm. I mean, I love that car. I don't mm. know what it is about estates. I just think they're a bit cooler than SUVs. Mm. Yeah. And more efficient because they're lower down, so more aerodynamic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, okay, so that was my news. And uh, Nicola, what, so you've been busy. You so were, busy. You were gall gallivanting in colder climes. Go on. Well. So I took part last week in something called the El Prix. Now, if you've never heard of it, this has been going for the last six years. So over in Norway, electric cars are huge. huge. Yes. So last year, 80% of the cars sold last year in Norway were EVs. Pure EVs. No hybrids, pure EVs. That's what government subsidies does for you, team. Mm. Really, really yeah. impressive. Everywhere you turn, there is an electric car. So what they do is they really put the cars to the test. And they do this every winter, and then they do the same test again in summertime to really test the pure 
true range and especially how much winter affects cars. So there was, uh, so it's called the Elpri. I was out there for the FIA. So there will be a video that goes up on, on their YouTube channel that you can have a little watch, which we've, ha- we've got a whole article as well on, on electrifying.com so you can see all the information. But basically there were 20, 23 cars, I think in total, okay. all brand new electric cars. And the idea was you drive them until they stop. That's it. And I got to drive uh, a Kia EV9. Oh, great. Yeah. Which is a big car. So my money would have been on maybe that not doing that well because it's a big blocky car, Mm. isn't it? It was one of the best performing cars out of the whole entire fleet. So on average, average, during winter, especially in Norway, where it was minus nine at the time while we were out there, the average electric car will lose around 21% of its range during winter. So that's what's to be expected. So then the idea is if they if they lose 21% or any less than 21%, then that's a good thing. The Kia EV9 lost 12.5%, which is wow. really, really good. But the most impressive car was the Hi-Fi, which we've wow. spoken about on this podcast. Yeah, we have. Seeing one in person was bonkers. They yeah. are Stupid looking cars. <laughs> they are they're cars only a mother could love. I think yeah. is the phrase that springs to mind <laughs> with the high five. Like lights down the side where you can write some words. So the people that were driving that car wrote hashtag winning down the side of the car. And, all. <laughs> and it's a weird looking car, but it performs so well. And there was a few disappointments along the way. Should mm-hmm. I tell you? Yeah, go on. Do please do. So. Uh, the Toyota BZ4X didn't do very well, but that was also to be expected. That's, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. The Tesla Model 3 didn't do well. Really? Yeah. Honestly? Now, that is a shock. Mm-hmm. So as we set off, we were set off in order of when people thought we were going to break down. So we were like, when we when we left, we were like... Not, not break down. <laughs> Run out of charge. <laughs> um, but we, so we started as like number nine or something like that. So the people starting at the front was the Tesla Model 3, uh, was cars like the Polestar 2. The Hi-Fi was up there as well because they had a feeling it would perform well. And then everyone towards the back were the ones that they thought would drop off the quickest, right? And we ended up driving past. We drove past that Tesla. We drove past a Polestar 2. Wow. Um, we drove past, uh, there was a BMW, there was um, an Audi Q8. We drove past that as well. We drove past the i5. We did. Mm. The Kia was incredible. That's really, that's really interesting for that, mm. isn't it? Because mm. it is. Um, I mean, it, it'll, you know, yes, it's got a heat pump on it and, you know, mm. they do make pretty efficient cars, but I am, I'm very surprised that it, it overtook, well, it, it lasted longer than a, a Model 3. Yeah. Really surprised by that. A, a geeky fact about that Kia, when I drove one, which was in Scotland, and I think it was plus two degrees, and I was looking at the range and thinking, oh, it's not that great compared to that. But there's, if you reach up above there, there's um, rear heating controls for the rest of the, the other seats. And I turned that off and it gave me like an extra 10 miles. Because yeah. if you think yeah. you're trying to heat that huge space, and if you don't have to heat that yeah. huge space, then, you know, you've got a lot more battery. Well, what we had to do was to make it a completely fair test was everyone had a thermometer in the cabin and you had to keep the cabin at 21 degrees. 
Mm. Oh, that's great. I think maybe we need to replicate mm. that here in the mm. UK next year. Mm. I feel a, I feel a UK video coming on yes. in January next year mm. somewhere. I mean, we could. In January this year, it was 13 degrees. Well, that's true. <laughs> I, in fact, we'll probably just do it in May instead because in May it's going to be really cold, isn't yeah. it? Then we'll probably get snow. I also have a tip. Yeah. Um, so I learned this out in Norway. I didn't know this. But if you ever have the fear of your electric car running out of battery, as soon as it stops, switch it off, wait 10 minutes, switch it back on again. Not know that. And it will go. Really? <laughs> it will go. What, from, from nothing? Or, nothing. or from... I mean, the, pro- the I problem I, is, I think somebody's told me that. I've never tried it because I've the luckily never had to. They, they think that it's then just running off the 12 volt. But if it's enough, if you if you suddenly have stopped on the motorway, which I mean we very rarely see anyway, but if you have, so, have stopped somewhere that's not safe, turn the car off, wait ten minutes. Obviously, have your hazards on, but wait ten minutes, turn it on again, and yeah. it will give you like an extra five, six miles or so to get you where you need to go into a safe spot. Wow, that's a really good tip. Yeah. Really mm. good tip. I did, yeah, I, I, I did. Mm. Yeah, no, never no, heard that. No, never, never heard, heard that, that mm. one. Never right. Well, I think actually what we've got there is a gem of a video. Um, mm. And come on then, in the comments, or if you are listening um, on one of your podcast streamers, um, info at electrifying.com, what would you like us to put in a in a cold weather test? Which cars would you like to see? Because we probably couldn't do as many as that. But between us, we've mm. got um, well, uh, Ginny, Nick, Nicola, Tom, Mike, mm-hmm. so we could rope in Tommy to help, mm-hmm. maybe. So probably get six cars that we could do. Yep. And give Manos a heart attack. That's an extra pair of hands. Okay, so let us know um, what you would like us to put into a window test. I think we might have to do this before. Mm. Before, oh, I just said we could probably do it in May, not be fine. Mm. Anyway, um, should we move on? Oh, go on. Yes, oh, hand up. up. I was going to say, go on. So, test. If anyone wants to offer free breakdown cover, that would be very handy. Actually, we can do that. We can team up with um with our lovely friends at um the AA or the RAC to do ah, that. Yeah. Brilliant. Sorted. Done. Okay. That's gonna give somebody a headache on the team organizing that one. Who <laughs> <laughs> wants to organize that one? No? No, 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 no. Okay, fine. Right then. Um let's move on because we've got some car buying questions. Yes. Um so car buying questions. For this um one came through from Gowron four nine two. Hello, Gowron yeah. four nine two. Um I will be looking to buy another EV at the end of the year when my PCP ends on my current EV. I really, really want an estate. Wonderful. Uh, the MG is too cheap and nasty, harsh. Porsche is too expensive. Fair. Um, the Astra is too expensive and it's a Vauxhall. Yes, I agree. Okay. What are the options for the estate lovers out there? P.S. Change to the kilowatt hour. Ooh, oh, that's nice. That's nice. Um, yeah, we're not strictly sticking to the kilowatt half hour at the moment. Mm. So um, I want to chuck one in the ring here straight away for this. Mm-hmm. And it's not an estate, but I want to say the Skoda Enyaq. I was going to say that that would be a good, because it's kind of a estate isn't it? If you look at the Skoda Octavia estate and the Enyaq side by side, mm. they are not that dissimilar in the profile. And also, fun fact for you, the Enyaq has got 585 litres of boot space, which is more than the new 5 Series Touring will have. Oh, yeah. yes. Yeah. Seats fold nice and flat. 
I can honestly, I have had a lot of volume in the back mm. of that car. I've done trips down to Cornwall with that, with you know, kids, luggage, dog, everything. Mm. That would I, be mine. I think that's a really good. I mean, if you insist on having a proper estate that says estate on the documents, I think uh, the Peugeot 308 SW. I mean, it's the same as the Astra, but yeah, it's, it's not a Vauxhall. It's a nice car, that isn't it? It's got a lovely interior. Um, it feels quite nice and refined. So, I yeah. I, I think I'd rather have a Vauxhall than a Peugeot, but I know you'd rather have a Peugeot than a Vauxhall. I'd rather have a Peugeot. I, yeah, I would rather have a Peugeot, but I would rather have an Enyaq. Mm. Um, and I think it's interesting because I think so many, I was talking to a car designer about this, and they were saying that a lot of the time it's only called an SUV because it's like what the marketeers want because mm. that's what people search mm. and feel they should have. Yeah. So actually it could well be an estate, mm. But it, there's just perhaps not as much, you know, yeah. not as popular. Mm. So that would be mine. Um, so should I do any more any more um, car buying questions? What else have we got? Uh, Let's have a look here. So we've got... Um, we, yeah, go on. Do you want to do William? Have you got William McBride? Last week we so helped him. Last week, uh, it says last week we helped William McBride choose a car for his mum. I wasn't on last week. No. This is William's reply. He says, thank you for answering my question. That was really helpful. Unfortunately, I've spoken to my mum and she is determined to keep her old banger of Honda going until it finally conks out. She said that when that finally does happen, she will likely go electric and then you can rest assured that it will probably certainly be a Honda. <laughs> There's a lot of probably certain these. Yeah. Like <laughs> there, uh, I think the, the problem with that is it's a Honda, so it won't ever conk out. Apart from rust. If it's a jazz, which it probably will be, then it will rust. So just rust proof it and it will keep going forever oh, and ever and ever. Yeah. And here's, like, so here's a good, here's a, here's a genuine question for you both. Is it more, you know, it's, we're going to come on to a question or a comment later about our chat about sustainability in cars. Is it just actually better to keep your old mm. Honda until it mm. conks out than buy a new electric car? Mm. It is. It, yeah. it, it is actually. It is. Yeah. So you know what? William's mum, you're doing the right thing probably there. Yeah. But do make sure it's electric when you're ready. Mm. Um, anything else in the car buying conundrums? Um, oh, okay. So Robert Smith adds, uh, this is going to keep on with the topic of, uh, of the Honda ENY1, which I guess would be the only option that uh, William's mum can go for at the time because that is the only electric Honda at the moment. Um so, said, uh, great episode again. Hooray. Thank uh, you. A local dealer to us in Glasgow has the ENY1 for £399 a month mm. with a £399 deposit. That includes servicing and breakdown. I didn't think that was too bad a buy. Tempted. Tom, you are the car buying guru yeah. on the team. Is that too bad a buy? That's that's pretty good, actually. 399 a month. I mean, that's the same as... Some other things. I think you can currently get a Tesla Model Y for three nine nine a month, but you need a bigger deposit. So the deposit the is yeah, the big thing. That's a really low deposit. And also the, the Honda, it is expensive. It's an expensive car, but it does include five years servicing, five years breakdown cover, um, and uh, five years something else. I think there are three fives. I can't remember what the last one is. But battery warranty? Well, no, that'd be eight years. Five, maybe it's just a five year warranty. Okay, but. It's a reasonable package. The so three nine nine, yeah. I mean, okay. we've been down on the the Honda, and I think they got the pricing wrong, and I think they're realizing that. And it's slightly crazy—a yeah. brand new car, you can get a nine thousand pound deposit yeah. contribution. But 
I'd, I'd be tempted I, at three nine nine. I would be tempted, but I would also hold on potentially if you don't have to change right now because we have this thing called the Zev mandate, which came mm. into place on the first of January this year, and Honda's UK boss Rebecca Adamson, who is the UK um, boss, did a podcast re- recently with I think it was car dealer was it? I think it's mm. over at car mm. dealer, and said that she admitted that selling enough electric cars this year is going to be an issue. So the ZEV mandate basically says that this year, 22% of all the cars a manufacturer sells has to be electric. And if they don't meet those targets, they're going to be fined £15,000 per car. Or they can buy a credit from somebody like a a Tesla or a Polestar who are selling loads of electric Mm. cars. So she's gone to say that's going to be a challenge. And I think as we get towards the back end of this year, as those as those brands which have not sold enough electric cars start to realise that, I think there's going to be some really interesting pricing out there. Yeah, there are. Yeah. And also there's going to be this problem where they're not going to want to sell a cheap petrol car because yeah. it might cost them £15,000 in fines. Yeah. Um, okay, yeah. so that's your car buying conundrums. Please do keep them coming either in the comments below at info at electrifying.com. Um, we... We've had some quite interesting comments in this week, Nick, haven't we? What about on the subject of digital mirrors? Because that yeah. got a massive response in the post bag. So Stephen Muddle has said, big thumbs up for me from digital mirrors and screens. I'm a, and I'm a glasses wearer because that was one of the mm. things we were talking mm. about. Um, I love mining them again, especially in, as the rear screen is quite small and I have no problems whatsoever with focal points. We've got Demard, um, I can never say, it's Demard, isn't it? Demard Hurley says, I am an Ionic 5 driver like Mike with digital side mirrors, which are excellent. Digital rear view mirror, poor. Um, I wear glasses and the digital rear view mirror isn't an issue. The problem is the camera gets covered in dirt, mm. which it does, doesn't it? Yeah. And then equally, we had a lot of people out there who hate them. Uh, mm. Mark Samways said, "You, I know Tom hates mm. them. Nicola hates them. I don't massively like them either. Um, Mark Samway said, Genesis kindly loaned me a GV60 for a week in January. Nicola, that's one for you, Nick. Yeah, I love my GV60. I've got one as a long-termer. It goes back next month. But does your, is yours fitted with rear-view door cameras? Because this has got fit, this is this the one that Mark drove had rear view door cameras, which were great during the day, potentially dangerous when it's dark, especially in wet. The glare is intolerable. No, was, yours, yours Mark, has got standard mirrors, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, stand- I've got standard mirrors, mm. but it does have like the indicator cameras, which no one ever uses mm. because no one ever uses them on any Korean car at all. They're a nice mm. gimmick, but no yeah, one ever nice. uses. Well, yeah. Um, Kev Wiltshire said I wear very focals and imagine I struggle to see the image in the mirror because the top part of my specs is for distance mm. view- distance viewing. And Mike, not our Mike, who is off swanning around somewhere, said those mirror screens should be banned. It's not safe to switch focus from distance to a screen. It's basically using a mobile phone. I think that was a bit of a ref to the Polestar. Mm, it's, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because I, I do genuinely think there has been one car that's got it right. One car which is the Honda E. Mm-hmm. That's the only car that's ever got it right. Yeah. Why, why is that? Why, why did they do... Is it because the, that car is, it's got so much tech on it that you kind of expect it? Or is it... I think it was the... I think it was the where where the screens actually were. So, like, when you're in, like, the the, the Audi Q8, you're having to look down because it's kind of on the door, mm. isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. And sometimes the angles just aren't quite right or the sun will hit the camera or the sun will hit the screen and you're not mm-hmm. seeing not quite right whereas the honda e was along that panel basically exactly the same where the the same height where the mirror would be 
but then just slightly more in. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's a long time yeah. since I've driven that car. My memory's trying to cast my mm-hmm. mind back to it. But yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah, that's the only one that did it that made it work. Apart from that, I hate them in every car. Okay, now back to the post bag. We had loads of comments in about the Polestar 4. That was a car that got everybody talking. Anybody want to take the Polestar 4 comments? Shall I, shall yeah, I tell you this? Ian S. has an interesting point. He says, how can they say they've deleted the rear window for simplicity, insulation and weight, and they've put in a full roof window? They didn't actually <clears throat> say that, did they? I think that was us kind of yeah. like surmising about why. And and I think the main thing I thought was cost. It, I think, but did they say well, it doesn't make sense, does it? Because we no. were stood there together, Ginny, looking at it, going, why can't they just put in a window? Like, even if it is a small window, it's still a window nonetheless. Well, my, my theory on it last week was it's also, it's about reducing the number of parts made in a car because that they're trying to get that sustainability story out there. And also, it's cost. Mm. But then th- that th- they have put the big, the big, I, I don't know. Yeah, maybe we need to investigate that one a bit more. Yeah, I mean, maybe it's something about having the back of the car where the wheels are, having the structure there and making it stiffer or something. It was to do with that. It was it allowed them um, to put get, to put more headroom in without having the extra extra, like you say, tor- mm. tors- tors- torsional rigidity. rigidity is the word I'm looking yeah. um, yeah. to support a screen. So I think there was a lot. Mm. Of, there's a lot of different factors. I was just kind of surmising a bit about you know whether cost and sustainability played into it as well, mm. and I've been told off for that quite rightly. Because, yes, go on. <laughs> Simon, Holmes. Simon Holmes, yeah, he He's says, I take the sustainability stuff with a large grain of salt. Uh, who is independently checking this stuff or are you just believing the things they say? It's cheap PR that everyone repeats until it's believed. Okay. Who is independently checking this stuff? We are. Mm. We yeah. do that because about two years ago now, we sat around with a couple one morning and I was saying, who independently checks all this stuff? Let's do it. Let's 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 make consumers aware of this. And we came up with something called the Green Heroes. The Green Heroes. So tell um, tell our listeners what what we do with Green Heroes. Uh, so we ask all the manufacturers what they're doing in uh, the realm of of manufacturing, really, to uh, to reduce their their CO two impact and their environmental impact. And then we independently check it. We've got a guy called Andy Palmer, who's a, a big industry figure who knows his onions when it comes to electric cars Absolutely. and manufacturing. And um, we also work with um, with EY, who are the massive global consultants, um, uh, management consultants, but who drill down into this stuff as well. Mm. So we get the, we get together in a darkened room mm. with lots of coffee, mm. and we go through the submissions. Yeah, and, and see what what they're saying. And it, I mean, there are some interesting things like you know that if you have lower CO two on a petrol car, then you get a tax benefit. But BMW, for example, who we gave a Green Hero Award using entirely renewable energy or you know, recycling their cobalt drills that they use in the factory, I can't see that there's any benefit to them other than yeah. as a very vague PR story. I mean, we run it, but not many other people do. The yeah. consumer doesn't know. There's no tax benefit to it. So yeah, we thought it needed rewarding and and highlighting we do and so if you look at our reviews there is a green hero on only a few of them so as we said bmw the nissan leaf which Mm -hmm. is produced in Mm -hmm. the uk in sunderland 
um, at a factory that has got a lot of sustainability, really yep. sustainability at its, at its heart of that production. Um, and also the Citroen Ollie, which we know was a concept car, but the sustainability around that car was so strong. Yeah. We are actually about, Tom is literally like about to send off an email now mm-hmm. to all the manufacturers to ask for their submissions. Polestar hasn't got a green hero. Maybe this year it will, but we will assess. So it, it's not... Uh, so we're not just taking it on face value. Yes, we'll chat about it. But if we think it really stacks up, that car has a green hero sticker on it over at sticker. That's bad, isn't it? But, you know, it has a green mm. hero award over at Electri- Rosette, Rosette yeah. over yeah. at electrifying.com. Yeah. Okay. I hope that's answered your question, Simon. Let, let us know, actually, if you think there's more we could be doing. Mm. Um, and go on. Any more? Any more? Any more? Poster questions? Uh, right. Okay. So Carl in San Diego says... Cars will need to shrink in size. The Polestar 4 is roughly 19 tonnes of CO2 to produce. We cannot build huge cars like this with a massive carbon footprint when zero carbon is the required rule for survival. It's not a rational argument to say we need big cars to survive in a crash when the very creation of that car is crashing the planet. Yeah, 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 it is. I can see where you're coming from with that. Absolutely. But I mean, eventually the, the distance that you're doing should eventually cancel out those those CO2 issues of designing and making the car in the first place. But we haven't done the official mathematics on that car yet, have we? Because there no. are some we will do figure it out like how much it how much CO2 emissions it is to make a Tesla, how many miles you need to do in a Tesla to cancel that out. Uh, which obviously it's a lot more in a petrol or a diesel car, whereas it's far yeah. less than an electric. Yeah, there is that whole carbon payback thing. But I I think what's interesting is that I don't think it's necessarily with electric cars that they need to be big to survive a crash because you've got lots of smaller cars that, of course, have really strong. We have Euro NCAP here in in Europe, which which, um, is the sort of safety standard. And loads of small cars and and smaller electric cars have got a five-star Euro NCAP. I think it's actually often about hiding cost. Electric cars and their batteries are still expensive. And I think for manufacturers, they can hide a big battery better in a bigger car mm. also you know they can put lots of extras and nices in it so you feel like you're getting a bit more for your money so i actually think that, that yes there is a tend towards bigger cars absolutely and i completely agree the car i'm most excited about coming that i can't talk about yet is a very small car Mm. and it's the most exciting car i've seen Mm. in ages um so you know i think but i think he has a really valid point he does and i think that the ollie which we gave that award to we're talking about it the citroen ollie just fundamentally rethinks the size and weight and how those cars are built to reduce its lifetime co2 uh, emissions and recyclability but hello san diego Mm. do you know i haven't been to san diego it's no, no, I'd like. I know Mary that coast of America quite well, um, and it, and it is on my list of places that I want to go and visit. So I've got some very good friends that live there. So yeah, Carl's going to think you're inviting yourself over. To <laughs> Sorry, Carl, I'm not. I'm not. I've already done that with Kangaroo Island yeah. in Australia. <laughs> it always just makes me think of uh, Anchorman, <laughs> and Diago, which means. If you've seen the film, you know what the quote is. I do. Um, so who wants to take our general nonsense corrections and complaints? Any take right, ready? Yeah. Uh, Springbok says, there were right-hand drive Jeep Wagoneers built. Ooh. I remember them as a child in South Africa. A friend's mum had one. Oh, how lovely. I would love to get one of those shipped back from South Africa. 
Yeah. And then give it to someone like Electrogenics, who I love, who, who if you don't know them, look at them. They're an amazing company. They they take classic cars and they put, uh, they do it here in the UK near Banbury, and they put electric motors and batteries into them and convert them to electric. Mm. I would love an electric Jeep Wagoneer. Mm. I mean, I'm not very up on my Jeep history. It's not my area of expertise, but I think there were some that they had a conversion that was literally, they had like a bicycle chain and a cog from one side to the other. And you would still... Oh. Yeah, and they have to do them for Australia and things. So maybe it's a conversion like that. I don't know. Maybe they did make right hand drive ones. Uh, This is from uh, Chris Towson, who says, Not sure why the eye rolls on chat GPT integration. Natural speech is clearly the next step rather than having to learn, remember specific commands. Okay. Why did um, the eye rolls on well, that? I, th- I think we eye rolled on it because we can't get the current voice recognition to work <laughs> on anything. Um, and, and chat GPT, I'm sure it will be the future, but uh, I'm not sure if we need to ask our car uh, yeah. the most famous painting done by Picasso, which is what was suggested in the Peugeot uh, press conference. I don't know. It's... Yeah, I, I think I was a bit more um, positive about it because I could see the advantage of, say, being in a place you don't know and saying to the car, look, I'm, I'm, we're driving to Sunderland, for example, where's the best um, Chinese restaurant mm. or, you know, mm. where do, you know, where's the best place to park near the city centre? Mm. I think, yeah. I, but I agree, it's got to work. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. anyway. Okie doke. Um, and this is a final rant from PHX renegade who says please stop using the postman mike theme it's childish unprofessional and it obviously makes mike very uncomfortable love the show keep up the good work just lose the mic theme yeah i mean we we can be a bit childish and silly but you know maybe we should we have a vote do we lose it do we keep it maybe we lose it maybe we lose it tom agrees mike agrees nicholas saying no Okay, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens the next time Mike is on. But as you know, you've got away with one episode of the Kilowatt Half Hour ish without us doing that song. that song. And at that point, I think we cut our losses and say thank you very much for listening. Um, it really helps if you are listening on one of your um, podcast platforms. If you could follow us and like and share and do all of that stuff, because um, we want to get the word out to more people, so we can make the podcast even better. Um, and as always, if you are listening and watching on YouTube, please do like and subscribe to the channel because we really appreciate that. And then you will know when all our latest podcasts and videos have landed. And on that note, yeah. goodbye. Yeah. yeah. Goodbye. See you next time. Bye. Bye. See you next time.